electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll do it, my friends. Just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to explain how this week could happen. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. Well, we got through this week's gauntlet with flying colors, didn't we? I almost can't believe it. We had a huge week of earnings, coupled with some great news from the Treasury Department about fewer long-term bond sales, a positive benign Fed meeting, a decent apple quarter, and the coup de grace of a soft-landing unemployment number. Buy, 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 buy! House of pleasure. And voila, we crush it with the Dow gaining 20, 222 points, S&P jumping 0.94%, and the Nasdaq screaming 1.38%, capping off a truly incredible week, the best week of the year. In fact, for all the major averages, which each gained somewhere between 5 and 7%, this is why I say you have to stay in. Don't do this stuff with a whim and jam. It's wrong. It was a beautiful sight for the bulls and a nightmare vision for the bears, including the billionaires who blathered on endlessly about how there's no hope for you in the stock market. Oh, they did the best to scare you. I watched them. They were real good at it, but it wasn't good enough. And those who soldiered through were rewarded with a week that could make your entire year if you owned the right stocks. While it might seem surreal, this is not a strange phenomenon. When you're running money, when you're managing money, nearly all of your positive performance in a given year tends to come in just a handful of weeks, which is why I do always urge you to own stocks, not trade them, something I spell out constantly for members of the CNBC investing, not trading, investing club. If you approach stocks like a trader, there was so much negativity last week that I'm pretty sure you would have been spooked out of the whole market and you would not have owned any stocks on Monday when it started. Ultimately, you would have missed out on some precious bottoms from formerly free-flowing stocks. Everything from the wayward Magnificent Seven to the myriad financial plays to even the black holes of entertainment and retail. So we have to ask ourselves, can the bulls continue to have the fabulous time like this? I'm not sure we can compete this week. Not that we need to. But I think the bullish herd can continue to thunder as long as interest rates simply stay at this level. So with that in mind, what's the game plan for next week? Okay, so Monday, we hear from a host of really excellent companies that can provide some upside surprises. We've got two terrific oil and gas companies, Kotara, by the way, more natural gas than oil. Let me own that for the Chapel Trust. And Diamondback Energy, the fleet-footed Permian Basin oil producer known as FANG, after Stocksible. I like them both. You know what? I also like this, and I haven't talked about enough, Unsung, Vertex Pharmaceuticals. They can deliver some surprisingly good numbers, but I care more about the work that they're doing on a powerful painkiller that would be non-addictive. Wouldn't that be something, how great that would be for the country? I also wonder if NXP Semi, the king of chips for the auto industry, will see its stock get crushed, like on Semi, another chip maker that caters to cars. Bad quarter for anything that relied on auto manufacturing. I say be careful, NXPI. 
Tuesday, Emerson Electric, another Chapel Trust holding, they are going to report. We're going to see how that hostile takeover of national instruments pans out. Need to see some compelling synergies traced out here. We also hear from one of the greatest growth companies of the era that we've had on many times on our show, Celsius Holdings. I expect a solid beat and raise anything else from this energy drink play and look out below. Now, the salient moment this week came when the 30-year Treasury bond went up in price and down big in yield. That ignited so many groups like banks and, more important, the home builders. That's why I'll be all years when D.R. Horton, which has shot up like a, just a rocket this week, they speak on Tuesday, seminal moment. They will talk about how they're ready to flood the zone with homes now that rates have seemed to peak. I hope so. I think Horton will be positive. I just don't know how positive. But as long as they don't dispute the big picture thesis, the rally can continue. After the close, we have two more oil companies, and they've been going in different directions. There's Devon, which has been very disappointing, and Occidental, which is the oil producer blessed by Warren Buffett. In fact, Buffett seems addicted to buying Occidental. As long as he's in there, I bet you'll make money. We also get results from a company that we just talked about yesterday, Kava, the Mediterranean chain. I think it could put up some terrific numbers here. Oh, and I want to see how Rivian fares now that the electric vehicle backlash is upon us. They all do report these, uh, let's say, these tertiary EV companies, and I want to see how they act. Wednesday begins. It's going to be tough. Warner Brothers Discovery, the heavily indebted entertainment company that needs to show continued debt play down as well as quality new programming and keep the sports program because they need live programming. I'm worried. I'm not worried, though. Why? Because CEO David Zaslav is running this show, and I think he will deliver because that's what he does. Speaking of consistent execution, we should see some terrific numbers from Ralph Lauren. Maybe this time the stock will get its due. It hasn't. That's wrong. So many people are still playing the guessing game of whether snack food will be hurt by the coming wave of anti-obesity drugs. So why don't we go to the source? Let's ask the team at Kellanova. That's the pure play snack company that emerged from the breakup of the old Kellogg. Everything from Rice Krispie bars uh, to Pringles under one roof. Kellanova has to tell us where they see the industry's headed in the light of these new drugs. It's not enough to say, you know what, we don't know yet. Uh Uh-uh, take them, tell us. After the closed Disney reports, we need to hear some indication that there are strategic partners who want to pay Disney to do things with them. They need to come up with something big and keep showing improvement ahead of what could be otherwise a bruising proxy fight. Might be anyway. I await the numbers from Arm Holdings, especially the guidance, which could be incredible. Arm's a partner of NVIDIA, so it could give us a solid look at AI, but they're also going to be big in PCs and already in cell phones. I think it would be an amazing report. Next, I want to see from Take-Two Interactive, can they keep delivering on on their game plan? I hope they talk about what's to come with Grand Theft Auto, the best entertainment franchise in history. That last quarter, by the way, from Take-Two was very good. Wednesday, we also see see some J-Pal. And we know he spoke a lot this week, but he's got some remarks both days. Uh, we've got to hear about the end of the Fed's tightening cycle. Any sign that that's the case, we'll verify what we heard, we, or at least we thought we heard on Wednesday. So two speeches. Will he contradict himself, clarify, Powell's inscrutable, but he's winning the fight against inflation. While it's way too early to take a victory lap, things are clearly going Jay's way. All right, Thursday. Thursday, uh, Thursday the, after the close, trade desk reports, and judging by the great things that Google and Roku have been saying, wow, that Roku, how about that stock, have been saying about online advertising, I think the trade desk can deliver a monster quarter. But the only problem here is that the stock did have a colossal move this week. You need a couple of down days between now and when they report to make this thing work. Another one that I know 
uh, has a very good chance of not working, which is Illumina. They make gene sequencing systems that help pharma and biotech companies come up with new treatments. I predict that Illumina will once again disappoint. They'll stink up the joint. And then people are going to say, you know what? Maybe Thermo Fisher and Danaher can't be trusted. And the latter, Danaher, I think this time is a buy. You can't keep it knocking it down on other people's mistakes. Friday, we have Michigan consumer sentiment. Uh, and I want to know whether things are gloomy because the Fed's relentless fight against inflation. I find it incredible that we could have such strong employment, yet I expect a negative consumer uh, sentiment reading. And then a host of chatter from the chattering classes that the Republicans will be the winner. But the bottom line, make no mistake about it. If you invested fully this uh, in that in last week and if you invested in this week, you should feel pretty darn confident. Now, we will not be oversold next week like we were when we came in on Monday. So I don't expect the kind of strength that we got this week. So if you have some positions you don't like, it's time to do sell, sell, sell. Get me? Let's go to John in California. John. Hey, great to be on with you again, Jim. And it's great here. Great. Recently had your your mezcal at the L.A. Tequila Fest. It was awesome. Congrats. You had that. Oh, my God. For yes. false four, I'll tell my wife right after the show, we're doing some signings tomorrow in Doylestown and then in Ardmore. Special guest coming it was, in Ardmore. It was awesome. It Thank was you. L.A. Tequila Fest. showed well. Yes. Hey, my question yes. is, I'm, um, I want, I'm thinking of opening a position in CBX. Chevron is now the right time. Well, I'll tell you, the stock has come down a great deal. I like their acquisition. I like Mike Worth. But you are, you're buying at a good time because of two reasons. One, because uh, yields are coming down. But second, because this stock got killed. And I know that it hasn't replenished like it should have. But now, with that acquisition, I think you're in great shape. I like the acquisition very much. Let's go to Rizwan in Florida. Rizwan. Yes, Jim. Uh, I'd like to know what's your take on uh, Norwegian Cruise Line stock uh, and CLH. Well, I, you know what? I'm a, I'm a mixed mixed motions on these guys. I mean, we did have Carnival this week. I wanted to say bye, bye, bye. But I also know that they still have a lot of debt and people are very concerned about that. But people love the cruise. There's been no diminution of cruising. I think it's good. And if you want to buy some Norwegian or you can go on the Haven line with them, I say good as gold. All right. If you didn't fall victim to the panic and sell last week, then you're probably feeling pretty confident as the week wraps up. But use the strength to sell the ones you don't like next week because we are now overbought. Mail money tonight. The utility sector used to be a safe haven for investors looking for a reliable dividend, but the group's been out of favor all year thanks to higher interest rates. So where does a company like American Electric Power fit in? I'm getting the latest from the CEO. Then you called in and you stumped me on CRH and Psytime. So tonight I'm turning in my homework and sharing what I think about these two names. And I'm also going to be sitting down with the CEO of Haleon. That's a leader of consumer health products. Get a better read on the health of the consumer. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreated in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. For months, the stocks of utilities have been obliterated because these are dividend stocks that get less attractive when Treasury yields are on the rise. This week, though, Treasury yields plummeted, and we've got good reason to believe the pain may be in the rearview mirror. So could it finally be safe to own the quality utilities again? Take American Electric Power, along our favorite, the Columbus, Ohio-based utility that serves 5.6 million customers across 11 states. Yesterday morning, AP reported a nice earnings beat while maintaining the midpoint of its full-year forecast, which then allowed the stock to rally 3.6%. It's like a tech stock. This level supports a 4.4% yield, which could be a meaningful trampoline if the stock sells off, assuming long-term interest rates don't start soaring again. So is it time? Let's check in with Julie Slow. She's the CEO of Mark Electric Power. Get a better in the quarter. Ms. Slow, welcome back to Mad Money. Oh, my goodness, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. It's just a privilege to be here. Oh, we had a great, great quarter. Yeah. Yes, you sure did, Julie. And you've got what I call, I'm calling uh, almost high single-digit growth. This commercial growth that you're experiencing, which is well put in a, an amazing graph that looks like you're in Silicon Valley or maybe what that used to be like. Uh, how are you capable of putting up these kinds of numbers? Yeah, you know what? That's the team doing its job. Last time we were together, I mentioned to you, you know, we deliver um, electricity to, you know, 5.6 million customers, but we're really in the economic development business. This is that effort at work. So, yeah, commercial load is going crazy, and we're trying to take really good care of our customers. Obviously, that helped us tremendously in the third quarter, and it also gave us a lot of confidence so we're able to narrow our 2023 earnings guidance range and keep that midpoint that we established over a year ago, and that's despite all this stuff going on in our dynamic world. Well, it's, wanna, it's been a, a great success. I want to talk about that because your CFO does say some things. It's just really very, very different, your company, from the, many of the utilities I deal with. He says at one point that many of these gains are directly attributable to our ongoing efforts to facilitate more economic development across our operating footprint. Who is uh, taking? Who is saying? You know what? It is time to be in your area, as opposed to say the coast, which actually been a little bit punitive when it comes to taxes and when it comes to uh, regulations. Yeah, well, let's talk commercial first. Sure. So as it relates to commercial load, this probably won't surprise you. It's driven by data centers. So data centers growth really in Ohio, Texas, and Indiana. That's where we're seeing that activity. So who? A lot of the customers that are already here. So we're talking names like Google, Meta, Amazon. 
things that won't surprise you. So that's driving our commercial load. You know, the industrial load took a little bit of a dip. That's largely driven by uh, interest rates. And then I think there's some, you know, trepidation as it relates to what's the economy really going to do. But we've been able to continue to attract business to our service territory. So over time, that will pick back up. Our economists in-house are saying that this should be a temporary thing as we move through the next couple of years. So stay tuned for that. But names like, when I look at West Virginia, Nucor Steel, there will be addition um, of that particular piece of the business there. So that's really important. And I think about uh, Ohio. You know Intel is here in Ohio. And then I think about Oklahoma. We have Enel that is actually building a facility there to produce solar panels. And then we've got um, in Indiana, we've got GE and Samsung getting busy with uh, EV batteries. So lots of stuff going on. Really interesting times for us. So do you work directly with government or do you actually speak directly to the people who who deal with power at, at Google and at Amazon? I mean, is this you on the phone saying, look, we are open for business? Yeah, our team is talking directly with our customers. That's on a continual basis. That is how we do business, and that's honestly why they're comfortable with us, because we have a team that is dedicated to understanding the needs of our customers, and we're not only able to understand those needs, we have the energy infrastructure in place. We'll have to continue to build that out, as you know, over time as we attract more business. So that's something that we're keeping a close eye on. But Do they drill down and say, wait a second, I see that you have uh, too much fossil. Does anyone say that? Or they look at well, where, where you put them and that it's not fossil. Well, you know, that's a really good point, Jim, because we do have customers that are really sensitive to the energy types. So in my states of Ohio and Texas, I'm the wires company, so energy delivery. So that's my, my objective here in the state of Ohio, and like I mentioned, in Texas. But in other areas of our service territory, where we are also in, uh, invested and participating in the energy component, so those electrons that people want to buy, we need to make sure that we're able to provide the customer with the type of power they need, clean, fossil, you name it. Our idea or our, our objective is to provide a, a customized solution. We work with our regulators and our policymakers to be able to do that, too. Now, at the same time, it, it must be sometimes frustrating for you. That there was a major uh, rally in, in rates. Basically, rates went up and bonds went down. And it directly impacted American Electric Power in a way that I was hoping it wouldn't. I was hoping that maybe because of all the great work that you do, it would distinguish itself. But there are ETFs that have utilities. There are algorithms that have utilities. Were you surprised that you went down as much as the other guys, despite what you've developed here? Well, look, I'm never happy when our share price goes down, and I don't care what the reason is. So we don't, we don't like that. But does it surprise me? No. I mean, when you think about the fact that utilities are very capital intensive, so we're dependent on borrowing money. So when we borrow dollars and they're, you know, money's more expensive with the higher rates, it stands to reason that investors might think, hmm, how's that going to impact our earnings? So we do think about that. But I also think about the fact that, you know, investors can say, hmm, do I want to park my money somewhere else other than utilities? Because if I can go buy treasuries at a high rate and have lower risk, um, they'll, they'll probably do that. That's what we've seen. So we've seen dollars floating around. But this is a typical thing for utility space. It's been this way since the beginning. Um, we're used to it. I don't think there's a CEO out there that's not thinking about interest rates. But in utility space, we've been here 100 years. We're used to this. So well, we'll weather the storm and power through it. And that's why it's been such a great investment since we started the show in 2005. One last question, Tennessee. Uh, to me, seems like maybe the gem in the country right now, the place where people really want to be. If people want to go to Tennessee to visit, to live, how does it impact American electric power? 
Yeah, we have a very small piece of the business in Tennessee, but we've got the business that's surrounding the state of Tennessee. So we're looking at Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia. Those types of states are, are in our service territory that, uh, you know, abut mm -hmm. the state of Tennessee. So not a huge driver for us, but uh, where we're seeing the vast majority of our growth is back to the part of the original part of the story, and that's in um, Ohio and Texas for us. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, look, Texas is obvious. I think people don't understand Ohio has made, made a big comeback. Could be very big in the election, by the way, because there's so many jobs that have been created that unemployment is incredibly low there. Well, I want to thank Julie Sloat, Chair, President, CEO of American Electric Power. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's All a pleasure. Right. Terrific. Thank you. Man, buddy's back in for the break. Coming up, Kramer's done his homework to give you a leg up on the stocks you ought to know. And the assignment is due next. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Good evening. I am now Professor Kramer, and you are in my classroom. See, every time you call in with a stock that I don't recognize or haven't been following, I always do the homework and come back with a more considered opinion, because half the point of the show is answering the questions that you care about. Oh, we got some good ones this week. Uh, two of them. On Monday, Sam in Massachusetts asked about a company called CRH. It's an Irish supplier of building materials that just started trading on the New York Stock Exchange in late September. And I said, of course, I had to circle back. CRH sells something called aggregates, which other people just call stone, asphalt, cement, and concrete, along with finished products, while also providing value-added services to contractors and construction firms. They operate in 29 countries across the globe, but mainly in the United States, which counts for 75% of the business on an EBITDA basis. The other 25% comes from Europe. In terms of end market, CRH's American business is 30% residential construction, a little suboptimal right now because of higher interest rates, 30% non-residential construction, which is more intriguing because so many companies are moving their manufacturing back to the United States, reshoring. The remaining 40% though comes from infrastructure spending. That's a terrific area at the moment because the Biden administration has pushed through massive amounts of infrastructure spending that's about to kick in. We're talking roughly five years of very big business. By the way, just so you know, it's one of the reasons why I was steadfast about Caterpillar when the bears tried to take it down this week. It's because of infrastructure. Now, CRH is still based in Ireland and in Europe. Most companies only report there twice a year. We got the most recent results in August, and the first half numbers looked excellent. Very nice top and bottom line beat with 31% earnings growth and operating cash flow up 61% also much better than expected. CRH's business is booming here in the United States. Meanwhile, these guys have been buying back stock hand over fist. They're on the third tranche of a $3 billion buyback that was announced earlier this year. Pretty meaningful, especially considering it's only a $40 billion company. Unlike many other stocks, CRH has held up surprisingly well over the past few months. It had a big rally earlier in the year, and it's mostly been trading sideways in recent months. Even at these levels, though, it doesn't feel expensive. It sells for just, just under 12 times next year's earnings estimates. That's far cheaper than their closest analogs, which are Martin Marietta at 22, a company I like very much, 22 times earnings, and then Vulcan Materials at 26 times earnings, which to me seems overvalued versus uh, Martin Marietta, and certainly versus this. At the very least, I think CRH belongs in the conversation with Martin Marietta and Vulcan. They, they're both stocks. I've recommended for a long time that's given us some nice wins. But when you compare them, you can easily argue that CRH is the best of the three. So thanks for flagging this one, Sam. It's a good one. 
Next, much more complicated, Gary in California asked us about a company called Cytime. That's a semiconductor company that saw its stocks were, uh, were 12% yesterday in response to a great quarter. Now, I didn't want to cover it, especially oh, after that move. So we looked into this one overnight. Cytime makes timing chips for aerospace and defense, autos and communications, consumer, Internet of Things, medical, mobile, and industrial end marks. And yes, you can find their chips in the iPhone as Apple's their largest customer. These guys like to talk about their microelectronic electromechanical systems, which many seem to think makes their technology better than the previous industry standard. If that's true, then Cytime has a real edge because I'd take their competitors years to, it's going to take years to develop something similar. They own this market. How about the numbers? Sidetime's results have been lumpy of late. Like many chip makers, they did very well for a long time, but then they found themselves with way too much inventory last year, like so many others. And this year, when they struggled to unload as their customers were working through their way through the inventory, uh, their own gluts, it's called destocking. For the full year, Sidetime's looking at 50% revenue decline, 96% earnings wipeout. But then the business is going to bounce back in 2024. You have to anticipate that. And that's why the stock plunged first from 341 at its peak in late 2021 down to 73 at the bottom in October of last year. Since then, it's rebounded, but the stock struggled to maintain its momentum. Side time peaked again in the low 140s in August before seeking below 100 at its lows a few days ago. This is a wild one, huh? Now that the market's gotten a little more benign, company reported a great quarter, it's back up to 112 and change, but you see the kind of rallies that we've been having sucks like this this week. If you're thinking of owning side time, this one boils down to a simple question. How close are we to the end of the supply glut? Well, when they reported on Wednesday night, the results were mixed relative to expectations. But for the first time since sales peaked last year, the company saw a quarter-over-quarter revenue increase up 28% versus the previous three months. Uh, I, I regard it very encouraging. Suggest maybe the bottom in timing chips has already arrived. That would be really huge. You'd have to buy it right now. Meanwhile, side times gross margin finally stabilized after plunging from just under 70 percent in late 2021 down to 58.2% in the second quarter of this year. Still not that shabby, by the way. And in the third quarter, the gross margin came in 58.2 again, uh, which is very impressive when you realize the, the analysts were looking for 52%. That has translated into excellent earnings beat. I like that too. Hold it, fly in the ointment. Management's guidance for the current quarter. Sidetime said it expects 15 to 20% sequential growth. Street was, only, Street was hoping for something like 27%. That's not good. Also projected flat margins and softer expected sales. That's uh, expected earnings. That's bad. Why? Well, Sidetime explained that the third quarter beat was driven by huge orders from their largest customer. Now, you're not allowed to say who that is if you're this company. They can't say it's Apple because the first rule of Apple Supply Club is you don't talk about Apple Supply Club. But it was Apple buying chips for the new iPhone. So again, looking at the, at the numbers, quarter's mixed, but rather than focus on the technically light fourth quarter forecast, I think that's wrong. I think you need to focus your attention to the conference call commentary because that's why the stock caught fire yesterday. Side time explained that channel inventories are normalizing. Boy, they use all this gobble to go. That means getting better, including at Apple, meaning the supply glut really might be behind them. They also talked about an uptick in demand and more growth from nine Apple customers in the current quarter. As CFO Arthur Chadwick said on the conference call, and here I'm going to quote, there is still more inventory in the channel than normal, but it is being worked down for some customers, including our largest customers. See, that's code for Apple. Channel inventory is back to normal. But for other customers, it will take them until the end of this year or into 
2024 to get back to more normalized levels, end quote. In short, the semiconductor's glut's over for some areas, but it might hang around until others because they're still weak areas. Chadwick added that the growth from the third quarter to the fourth quarter will be, and I quote, driven by customers other than Apple, especially in the comms and enterprise industrial and aero markets, end quote. I think that there was enough good news here to justify giving Sidecon my blessing, with the caveat that it's always possible a quarter too early. But it is better to be early, in fact, in fact, too early, when you're calling a bottom in semiconductors. You see the way AMD acted this week, and you know what I mean. And I think you're still getting a better opportunity, uh, despite the stock's recent run. Bottom line. Sometimes when you guys call in, you give us great ideas. And you know what? You really did it this time with CRH and Sidecon. Uh, Gerald in California. Gerald. Sir, what's happening? Hey, hello, Jimmy Chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just want to say thanks for letting all of us out here know what what's what. Thank you for doing that well, for us. Thank you, buddy. I got to tell you, I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about what's what because I don't like the gobbledygook I hear from so many people. And I like go. to I stick my neck out sometimes, but then sometimes. There you go. You got to do it. You got to do it. Thank hey, you. Let's, hey, let's Jimmy, go to work. This, uh, this company is uh, IPO'd in 2020. It raised $3.4 billion, one of the largest software IPOs, and the largest to double on its first trading day. Uh, they're spending some money now. They spent some in uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions on the, in 22. They, they, they bought some stuff this year also. And I picked up some shares of Snowflake recently. I know it's been tough lately, but I'm wondering if we want to add to our portfolio and or hold. Or, you know, Let's leave it here now. Now, Snowflake did get better. Remember, they had a they had a, a um a trough, and they're coming out of that, and Frank Slootman's running it. But uh, I also can tell you that uh, it's a very expensive stock, and I have kind of shied away from the expensive ones because, given the fact the inexpensive ones have made you so much money. Uh, one of their uh, a company that's very that does some stuff with them, Salesforce, is cheaper now and might be a better buy. Let's go to Mark in Texas. Mark. I won't be able to hear him at that I hear you perfect, Marks. What's shaking? Congratulations on the Rangers. I hope you do badly if you're the Cowboys. There, I've covered every city. What's happening? Booyah, Jim. Booyah. The stock shark from Corpus Christi Bay. Corpus Christi, we better be starting to talk about oil and gas and natural gas liquids. That's what I want. Enterprise product partners. Maybe we do a little energy transfer. What are you thinking? We could, we could, but let's talk about lithium quickly. Real All right. quick, I'll be brief. All right. Got an 18-wheeler just passed me here. Sorry about that. I'm on the golf course. Holy cow. Albemarle. Oh. Albemarle. Buy an opportunity or stay off of it? No, we're going to stay off it because we just are, we're so down about EVs, and we're just going to have to just say let's stick with golf. Uh, you know, I, I've got to tell you, the 18-wheeler, I like Packard here, and I think Cummins is having a good quarter. Thank you so much. I want to thank our callers for bringing CRH and Psy time to my attention. I think both these things could be real winners. How smart are our viewers? And they also play a good game of golf. And you know what? I salute them. Uh, a lot more mad money, including my suits with Haleon. I'll get updates on how the customer consumer companies do it. You'll know every one of their products is spun off from GSK. And the demand looks like it's holding up. And you know I always say own it, don't trade it when it comes to Apple. I'm going to tell you why that's more appropriate now than ever. And I'm going to come in pretty hot and mean. Uh, 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 I know what Mike Nana Mary said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. But I'm going to violate that for the end of the show. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the lighting round. So stick with Kramer.
Okay, it's been a rough year for the consumer packaged goods stocks, but when the economy's slowing, today's cooler than expected labor report says we are slowing. These are your go-to stocks. So maybe it's time to take a second look at Halion. That's the consumer healthcare company that was spun up by GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, last year. They own a bunch of iconic brands that are definitely in your medicine chest. I'm talking about Advil, Centrum, Emergency, Sensodyne, Theraflu, Flonase. Tums, I'm embarrassed because they're in every... I have every one of them. I don't know what that says. Here's a stock that's been slowly drifting lower for more than a half a year. That's like the bonds. And it got dinged yesterday in response to a quarter. I thought they had excellent 5% growth, but all of that was from higher prices. Volume was actually down 1.6%. We'll look into that. So what do we do with this situation? Let's take a closer look at Brian McNamara, the CEO of Halion, to learn more. Mr. McNamara, welcome to Mad Money. Jim, great to be here. People need to know more about your company. They see these, but they don't realize you are number one in five brands in the world. Yeah, we're number one in five categories, actually. So pain relief, therapeutic oral health, uh, respiratory health, digestive health, vitamins, minerals, supplements. Well, that's it. Isn't that what we need to yeah. be? I mean, it's, yeah. I don't think there's really much else beside <laughs> that. Well, and people know the brands. As you said, right. they don't know Halion. And we listed right. 16 months ago. It's been an amazing 16 months. But we have those category-leading positions. You mentioned the brand portfolio. Right. And we're number one in all those five categories globally behind these brands, Advil, Voltaren, Panadol, and right. Pain. Um, and I'm really proud, 16 months engine, the business has performed really well. Well, I think that those of us who, uh, well, everybody uses your product, but what we've recognized, and now we realize why, is that there's invention for the first time in a category. I mean, we always knew there would be, be a Robitussin, but we never thought there would be a Robitussin that we would like to taste of, <laughs> uh, a honey. We always knew there was Tums, but we never were able to get travel Tums of different flavors. Is this you just saying, well, you know what, we have to offer more personal choice? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, listen, these these brands are iconic and consumers love them, but consumers change uh, behaviors and attitudes and flavors change over time. So we have to evolve with consumers. So offering different forms, offering different flavors of the products that they're used to is great. And then real invention like Advil Dual Action, which is a combination of ibuprofen and acetaminophen, and the first one approved in the U.S. So innovation and, and, and investment in R&D is a big part of our story. Now, some of these are, I know, from when they were prescription. And then suddenly when they're out here, I can't believe it. This has been, for me, a um, uh, go-to. Maybe I think that people in this country seem to not know it as well, but this is big. Yeah, and so Voltaren, it's actually the number one topical pain medicine in the world. And it was it was uh, switched in the U.S. in 2020. So it's right. only been on the market here for three years. It's an amazing it's an amazing brand. And, you know, you put it right at the point of pain and it works amazingly well. Um, and it's done really well here in the U.S. But um, it's 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 a big brand globally. And it, there's much more opportunity here. Now, this seems to be something that has taken the country by storm. I'd like you to tell us a little more about it. Yeah, so Emergency. So Emergency is a vitamin C brand. It's focused on immunity. Actually, Jim, during COVID, the the demand for this product increased exponentially. Um, And what this is Emergency Crystals, which is actually a waterless form of Emergency, where you just it's a stick pack. So it's kind of an on the go form. Um, We launched that just earlier this year, and it's um, it's doing really well. Okay, so uh, tried and true, still doing well. Just the regular brand, or besides the dual action? Yeah, I mean Advil's a Advil's a great brand. Eighty percent of our sales in Advil is in the U.S. um, And it's done it's done um, really well over the over the years, and continues to. And innovations like this really make a difference for. Definitely. Now, uh, 
I have to believe that one of the things about the spinoff that you can do is now, if you see something you want to buy, a single brand, maybe something yeah. special, you can add it to your, your, what is already the truck that goes to all the different drugstores. So yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what categories are you looking to be bigger in? Yeah, and what we've said is um, we, have, we love the portfolio we have, it's but fantastic. every portfolio can get improved, sure. either through divestment or um, bolt-on M&A. And we just announced a divestment yesterday of uh, Lamisil. Lamisil. Yeah, but I like Lamisil, but yeah, just slower a, growth? Yeah, is that the problem? Brand. We just didn't see it as a strategic growth driver for us. Great brand, just not for us. And we got a great price for it, so it was uh, value accretive for us. So we will continue to look at divest where we can create more value in bolt-on M&A. And bolt-on M&A, I'd say two areas, Jim. We have these amazing categories, but we have countries maybe where we don't have a strong presence. So a brand country combination. Um, And then areas like vitamins, minerals, and supplements. We think this is a high growth area for the future as consumers more proactively manage their health. And that's an area we would certainly look at for bolt-on. How about channels? I think that the CVSs and the Walgreens uniquely challenged. Look, I have to go. When I go to your store, to them, your stuff is under lock and key and their house brand is not. And it's just driving me absolutely crazy, which is why I have this on subscription. I have this on subscription and I have Robitussin on subscription so I don't have to go. And it's terrific. How is the subscription Amazon doing for you? Yeah, well, listen, if we look at um, our online business and 16 of our biggest brands in the U.S., we actually have higher shares online than offline, which is fantastic. So Sensodyne is roughly a 20 share brand in bricks and mortars. It's roughly 28 share online. So as that channel shift happens, we're in a position where we can really take advantage of that. So it's worked very well for us. Okay, so one last question. Uh, something I take, I hope we don't have, I mean, I just took my flu shot, but I use Theraflu if I happen to get flu. There's, it seems to be, the FDA seems to be thinking maybe they're not effective. Those of us who have taken it are shocked to learn that it's not effective since it seemed effective for us. Or maybe it's just I'm the only person in America that it's effective for. What do you say in a situation where a lot of customers really like it, but maybe the FDA thinks it's not that good? Yeah, so first of all, the, the question is around efficacy, not safety, and that's really important. Right. And, and this is the ingredient phenylephrine, which is a decongestant, yes. and it's in our multi-ingredient products. So these products serve multi-symptoms. The FDA hasn't made a decision yet on what they're going to do. It was an advisory committee uh, recommendation. And I have to say, from an industry perspective, and we're aligned as an industry body, we believe that the totality of the evidence says these products are effective. So we're in discussions with the FDA, and then obviously we'll do whatever we need to once that decision is made. Excellent. I think that's right. I mean, I think that you can't, well, look, it, you said it. It's, the issue is not safe. Yeah. And so otherwise, yeah. I think it should be a person's choice. But if that's the way the FDA wants it, I understand that you'll abide by it. Yeah. Well, look, $8 stock, very cool. I want the dividend higher, you know that, but you do spend up a lot of cash, so I'm sure that all in due time. That's that's Brian McNamara, CEO of Haleon. 16 months? 16 months. 16 months, and all I see are new products, new products, and um, I'm sorry, this goes with me. It's a long weekend. <laughs> Jim, this is all for you. Oh, well, thank you very much. Man, buddy's back after the break. Coming up. Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Congrats, Robert. Of course, another segment of Bob Richard. You don't play this and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Congrats, Robert and Marilyn. Robert. 
Jimmy Chill, how you feeling? All right, Chief, how about you? Doing good, doing good. Hey, listen, now that the UFC and WWE have merged, what do you think about TKO? Hey, as I felt about the other two, it is so hard. I can't value it. I don't know how to value it. If I don't know how to value it, I got others that are hard enough. I'm not going to take on something even more difficult. Let's go to Austin in Pennsylvania. Austin. Big Friday. Booyah, Jimmy You Chill. betcha. You bet it is. All right. Down almost 30% year to date is now the time to get in on DocuSign. DocuSign is going to have to come up with something new and different and special because right now what they're doing is not doing enough. Let's go to Matt in California. Matt. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, same. Same. I wanted, same. I wanted to know what you think about a, a U.S. bank. Okay, US until bank. the Fed's meeting this week and the bond schedule, I would have said don't buy it. Now I think it's incredibly undervalued because the Fed may be done and a 5.41% yield. Count me in. Let's go to Linda in New York. Linda. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Linda. How about you? Good. So I'm interested in your opinion on this stock because it's way down and that do I hold it do I sell it what what do you think about Zillow Zillow needs more transactions to occur in the real estate business it's a casualty as if, as if it were some sort of floor and decor I'm sorry because I like the company but does not have the volume let's go to Jason in Florida Jason hey Jim how are you I am good how are you hey uh yesterday you like uh realty income so I was yes, thinking I about FLG well, real, real income is triple net lease that involves commercial properties that are incredibly su- secure, uh, mostly by well-known retailers. SLG, obviously, is commercial realty, real estate. However, the stock did react well uh, to the report. So let me dig deeper because I was surprised at the reaction two days in a row of very good pin action off that quarter. Bob in Florida. Bob. Hey, Jim. Good to talk to you. My question relates to Pfizer buyout of cancer drug maker CJAN at two twenty nine a share. I want you to sell the stock on Monday. I don't trust the FTC, and you've got made all the big money already. Some people, by the way, were very angry at me and said that I did not call out Dr. Borla on paying too much for CJAN. Having known some of the cancers that they're working on, I have to tell you that if the CJAN gets it right, he will not have paid too much. How about we go to Frank in Pennsylvania? Frank. Hey, booyah, Jim. My signing tomorrow. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Which one? What's your opinion on First Solar? Okay, First Solar is the only solar stock I'm currently recommending because it's a pure play and is not a play on financing, which it turned out all the others were that went by the wayside. Let's go to Blaine in Washington. Blaine. Hey, Jim. Uh, my question is coming to you today from Port Orchard, Washington, where I'm down about 2% on an energy stock. Uh, that pays 3.7% dividend. I'm wondering, uh, buy, sell, or hold on national fuel gas. I don't like national fuel gas. doesn't pay enough, doesn't have the growth that I want. I can get that. If I want some uh, good yield and I get some growth, I do want One Oak or Energy Transfer. I think they're both superior to the stock that you own. Peter in Oklahoma. Peter. How you doing, Jimmy? It's a, uh, giving you a huge booyah shout-out from Yukon, Oklahoma. Well, there you go. Oh, I haven't been there yet, but I intend to get there very quickly. What's happening? Yeah, I'm long to, uh, we'll double your thoughts and opinion on KLAC. KLA All right, KLA, as good it. as KLAC is, you know what? Do you know that I would actually say that 
Oh, you know, I, I should just let you buy that one. I, I was, I was going to say that I, I yes, KLA is good enough because the other one I had is a little bit too high. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, a tale of two apples. Kramer goes picking for reasons why any analyst could be down on the stock meant to own, not trade. Next. There's the apple you and I know, then there's the apple the analysts know, and never the twain shall meet. After last night's quarter, I find it so odd that nearly all the analysts are focused on the growth of China, phones, Macs, and wearables. Because my focus is on the quality of the phone itself, the sky-high level of customer satisfaction, and the amazing service revenue stream that just keeps growing and growing. The analysts look at the degradation in gross margins for the iPad. I look at all the new services people are signing up for, where you pay automatically and don't even notice after the first of the month, and of course, nobody defaults. They look at how Apple seems static with just incremental growth. I look at it as an ecosystem of 2 billion active devices, all of which are candidates to upgrade to the latest and greatest models for all of the company's offerings. The analysts want to trade Apple like it's some sort of live hand grenade. I want to own it and not trade it. That's the mantra of the members of the CNBC Investing Club. They know it all too well. Oh, and maybe this matters. For years, I've been right. And the analysts? Wrong. They know nothing! Right down to the results from last night. Apple stock, which is up 36% for the year, shows that my way of looking just may be more rigorous. Most analysts are trapped inside the four walls of the spreadsheet canvas, so they end up missing the forest of the trees. Maybe I'm a postmodernist. Given that Apple's the largest company in America, it's important to figure out why these analysts, and they're often lapdog journalists, <laughs> stay so negative. And let's be really clear, whether we're talking about analysts or commentary, it's very negative. I think it has to do with, quite frankly, a lack of imagination. The analysts are simply looking at product lines and how they sell versus how much they thought Apple would sell them, and then making a judgment that says Apple's coming up short, especially if margins are tad weaker. They find lines that are they regard as inexcusable, like a slowing in non-major city or China, despite the fact that Apple actually gained handset market share in a country that's challenged beyond all reason. They pick on the fact that the iPad and Mac had weaker numbers versus last year in China, leaving out that last year had more selling days and a one-time bulging product. Boy, I think that's a very limited way of thinking. So I choose to focus on Apple's having all-time levels of growth in gigantic countries like India, Brazil, Turkey, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, Saudi Arabia, and even Canada. The natural progression of new Apple buyers is to go and buy the product, then pay for all sorts of extra services. So each new user should be viewed as a lifetime customer who will continue paying Apple for additional products and services. By that dimension, the stock is actually inexpensive. This quarter, the service revenue was almost equal to what they get from wearables, the iPad, and Mac combined. So why the heck the experts put more emphasis on the hardware? Makes no sense, especially when you remember the service business has huge gross margins. A dollar of service revenue is much more valuable than a dollar of iPad revenue. It seems crazy that they downplay the strength of the services business because I think that's, that's business the analysts can't seem to get outside of themselves. They can't admit that Apple is what I call sui generis and insist that it may be measured like any old company. Unless and until they admit it and stop trying to make this Apple into an orange by comparison, I think they'll always be wrong about Apple. They don't look at their iPhones. They all use them, of course, and realize that they'll have to have, be pried from their cold, dead hands before they'll be taken away. That's the stuff that high-priced earnings multiples are made of. Until these analysts understand that there are 8 billion people in this world and every one of them may end up being an Apple customer, one way or another, 
with the lifetime value of each customer potentially worth thousands of dollars on average, then they'll never get why Apple's a winner. But that's great for you, great for me, because it means you'll keep getting opportunities to buy this ultra-high-quality company into weakness. So you, too, can own Apple and not trade it. I like to say there's always bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Disclaimer. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.